That was super fun, super fun last week, and, uh, and we'll be doing it again in the future, so be ready. Or actually, don't come prepared. It really doesn't matter, actually, so it was, it was spontaneous, and it was a lot of fun, and what a cool story or two or three in the midst of that to watch families baptizing families, members, and, and just allowing the Spirit to have some fun last week. I don't know where you're at in stage of life, but myself and uh, my family, we, we have four kids, and three of which are in, in, in school. So, you have like uh, two that are sixth graders in their first year of middle school, and one that is elementary school. Our, all of our girls are in school like that. And the, it's kind of interesting because uh, two of them come home like earlier than the other one. And so, it kind of comes in waves, but it's when they walk through the door, there is like this absolute dam-breaking flood of information that comes your way. <laughs> I can tell you, okay, this is the funniest thing today. This happened. This is how it's Right? It's that moment. That happens. And, and so you have this opportunity. I would call it an opportunity to challenge your listening skills. Uh, and, and just take in as much as possible. Now, with twins, specifically at the two o'clock something hour when they come walking through the door, uh, they finish each other's phrases. And uh, so it's like, I was in, and then, and then, and then, and you're like, do those go together or are these two separate stories? Because both could happen. It could happen. And so you're trying to track what's going on. And it's a lot of entertainment, it's a lot of fun, but they just have so much fun sharing. What's happened in their day? 90% of it's usually good and, or entertaining. Something funny happened to them. 10% of the time, maybe more with our youngest daughter, it's more of a she needs some affirmation and comfort because maybe she got a boo-boo at recess or something, you know. But, but what it isn't, it's not a great time to teach. Like, the last thing they need is another lesson when they walk through the door, right? So, it's more of just a, a listen and take it in for future parental coaching, right? Isn't that kind of like to help them out uh, uh, later? You're equipping your, your bag of goodies to go, hey, re- remember how you shared with me, right? And so, you're kind of just taking it in. Well, this happens in our text today, Luke 9, 10 through 17. It says in verse 10, when the apostles returned... They reported to Jesus what they had done, right? Then he took them with him, and they withdrew themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, well, we have only five loaves of bread and and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. 
Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You're going, that math doesn't work. I know, isn't it awesome? It's Jesus math, right? Five plus five equals 5,000 carry over the 12. It's like, wow, that is fun. This is good math. Now, in case some of you are sharp at math, you realized I only shared a story about three of my four kids a second ago. The fourth one is a perfect illustration for the last phrase there in that story. Preston is three. Even this morning before I came to set up today at like 7.50, he's like, Dad, I want chips. One of his favorite phrases. Um, Luckily, he asks for cucumbers and carrots too most of the time, but I want chips. And if you happen to leave him alone with pantry access, (laughs) he goes to those chips, he seeks out the chips, he finds the chips, and he begins to eat the chips. And I don't know how he does it, But it seems to me that the amount of leftovers around the house, if gathered up correctly, would equal 12 bags of chips when he started with one. I have no idea how kids do that, but he's three, so that's his contribution to the illustration of this passage today. I think it's kind of funny. But here's what happens, right? So the disciples, if you remember last week, we talked about the disciples. These 12 disciples were sent out to the surrounding towns and villages. Jesus gives them all power and authority. They go and they begin to make Jesus known. Like they begin to share the kingdom of God. They're healing people. They're delivering. So you can imagine when they come back to where Jesus was, where he sent them out, they have stories to tell. I mean, they come back to Jesus and they're like, oh, Jesus, you got (laughs) to... You would not believe this. this is awesome. You know, and they've got, okay, so, right, we went into this one town and this house, and you know, we said we were here to share about the kingdom of God, and they welcomed us. Just like you said, they welcomed us. And so we went in. You would not believe it. Somebody was blind, and we, like, healed their eyes. And then the next guy, you, it was totally crazy. We told him about the naked dude and the pigs, and they were convicted. And then they, like, we freed them from a demon. It was so sweet. And then a couple more disciples come in, and they're like, Jesus, Jesus. They totally interrupted. Peter's story, and they're like, you wouldn't believe it. You, the, you know the issue of blood lady? Well, like, we found a lady with an issue of blood, and we told her if she had faith that she could be healed, and she was healed right there in front of us, and then another guy comes in, Jesus, you would not believe it. And, and you know, so you have 12 of them. They're coming in two by two. They've all got a story. And Jesus is like, just taking it in, you know, and, he, and, and I've got to share with you, this is, a, you know, we went to this one time. They did not welcome us. So you wouldn't, wouldn't believe it. I did exactly what you said to do, went to the edge of the town. We both like shook the dust off our shoes. And when we left, we didn't even feel bad about them rejecting us because our peace stayed with us. We got all the dust off. It was just, can you imagine Jesus was just taking this in and just like any good coach, equipping himself for some teachable moments later. And he's like, let's, you've got a lot to share. Let's, let's get away for a while and, and share with me. And And Mark's passage, when it talks about this same moment, says when they withdrew, they actually withdrew so that they could have rest. So his intent is withdrawing them to to have rest, to be absolutely present and listening to their sharing. 
And we challenge people, how are you doing at connecting with God? How are you doing it at serving God? How are you doing at sharing with God? Jesus wanted to be totally present as they shared with Him all that He had allowed them to do through His power and authority. It's beautiful. He withdraws, and he's like, tell me more. So how exactly did you find out that, you know, there was someone in that house that needed healed? And he just, I'm sure he was asking clarifying questions and just hearing so much. And in the midst of this moment, we get some great teaching. And so there's some points on your paper if you're a fill-in-the-blank person. But I want to start, the first thought that, like, just really took me down a mental road of imagination and study was, number one, they withdrew by themselves. Very intriguing to me. They withdrew by themselves. And, and this is both our connecting and our sharing with God moment, right? And, and, and it's personal. Like this is them withdrawing to personally, in close community, connect with each other and God. Just 12 and Jesus withdrawing by themselves. And it, it got me thinking, if you want a more intimate relationship with Jesus, you have to be willing to go with Him both in private times as well as experiencing Him in public. So you have to get away both in private and in public. This is a public moment. But how's your private time? I think public is easy to figure out church. Maybe I should go to a church on the weekend somewhere, find some spot and, and, and go on Sunday. And, and this is a good public moment with Jesus. But how is your private time with Jesus? This is all about prayer. This is all about time reading the Bible. And how is your daily time with Jesus? How are you doing at sharing with Him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Saturday, Sunday, outside of this space. It's interesting because He wants to spend time with us. And I would just challenge you because some of us just don't know where to start. Well, let me help you with that. There's a few ways. One of my favorite ways is coming up with some sort of a daily plan. And now with technology on our side, it's a great tool. You could use stuff like Uversion. It's a Bible app if you don't have a smartphone. That's okay. Dumb phones are cool. You can go onto a computer and go to Bible.com, and you could do a study there too. If you don't like that, you can, you can use paper. <laughs> Kills trees, but you could do it. Anyway, uh, no, it's, you just look as if phones don't kill things. <laughs> I'm just like, what are we mining to get all this material? Okay, moving on. Um, but I look at this and go, Here, here's the, I don't even want to think about that because then I'll be convicted of my technology. That would be uncomfortable. This is church. It's supposed to make me feel good. It's good news. Okay, I just had an ADD moment there. Coming back. <laughs> if you choose to use version, that was like a tongue twister, then you should friend request me. I'm fad huff on version. Here's why. If you want to know the weird thoughts, and there's an image of like my profile if you're on a computer. If you want to know the weird thoughts I have while I'm reading through my Bible plan, and how many days I miss checking the box off that I read, because that's kind of an entertaining thing. Oh, my pastor didn't read today. Sucker. You know what I'm saying? So just good accountability. You can friend request me on there, and here's the deal. I think I automatically accept it. But the, uh, 
the deal is, is when, when I highlight something or I, I read slow, honestly. I like to read through the Bible really slow and I'll like, I'll note, I'll write notes. Like, like this week, I don't know, what was I reading? Oh, in 1 Corinthians, I was in 1 Corinthians. So I wrote like this whole long note to really myself about perhaps, but it's viewable by you and, and you can like see the weird thoughts I have during the course of the week. And, and, and I just encourage you, there's, there's tools like this. A real beautiful thing in my home is being able to see and have interact about this stuff right here inside what I'm reading in the Bible or what my kids are reading in the Bible as they're on reading plans in version as well. And if you're going, well, how does that work? Well, there's one reading plan. I looked through a bunch of the beginner reading plans. And there's one called The Essential Jesus. So just jot it on your notes if you want to start a reading plan. I think it's important that to develop a habit, you really need to do something for 21 days, psychologists say. So The Essential Jesus will get you reading the Bible, and it's, it's, it's ultimately introducing you to Jesus all throughout Scripture in 21 days in small little bite-sized chunks but it gets you in the pattern of reading something every day. And if you just don't want a reading plan and you just want to open the Bible app, then you can see a verse of the day right there. If you don't want to download the Bible app, follow Russell Wilson because he retweets the verse of the day every morning, way before we're awake because he has no time to sleep, according to all the commercials. Anyway, so I'm just like, you know, so I just encourage you, somehow get a daily diet of the Word and then... That allows you to have something to talk to Jesus about then or during the day. But it's your private interaction with God. And that's what Jesus is trying to help his disciples discover here is, is like this private connection with God. And some of you immediately are like, Pastor doesn't think about me because I don't know how to use technology. Guess what? We have this little piece of paper. We killed a few trees to do these. But um, it's, it's, there's a reading plan on the back of it. It simply on one side says, what's next? It's specifically a tool that we'll use if we're like praying with you down here and maybe you check the box and made a decision to follow Jesus. Well, we always have it on the connect table back there or maybe someone will share it with you if they're praying with you, but it helps you get in a regular plan of reading and prayer and, and gives you a 30-day plan to get started. So there's great tools. If, if Bible reading is something you need to develop the discipline for in your life, you know, we need to grow daily or we die gradually. So this is a way that Jesus wants us to get away with him in private. I don't know. Here's an intentional side note. This is not an ADD moment. This is very purposeful. It's in my notes. That's how I know it's not an ADD moment. Um, busyness and crowds are two natural enemies of intimacy with God. Busyness and crowds. And then Jesus, when he's withdrawing his disciples from the crowd, he, he wants to have more intimacy and a more significant relationship and connection with his disciples and helping them achieve that with God. We did a series two years ago, started off 2012 with it, um, and it was called Margin. And in this series, my, our desire was to encourage people to not live to the edges of their life because when you live to the edge of your life or even you exceed like your resources or your time allotment and you overbook yourself constantly, you're stressed. 
And we live in a world that loves to live all the way to the edges. They live paycheck to paycheck. They, you know, how many times do you wait until the mileage says zero in your car before you fill up with gas? You know, I'm totally that way. No, I think, I think if I calculated it right, we have five more miles, you know. And all the, your wife's like, don't do it. And I'm just like, will we make it? So I do that all the time. It's awful. So I'm preaching to the choir. I fail. Okay, here we go. But you no, know, we live right to the edges constantly. We book our calendar from morning till midnight, and then we're tired when we wake up, and we're like, why am I tired? Oh, yeah, I got two hours of sleep. You know the schedule. Well, in this, this one of the most practical applications came out of this series. One, we encouraged everybody to take a vacation. But the other was, we noticed something in our culture, and some of you remember this, we challenged everybody to stop saying a phrase. How many remember what we were supposed to stop saying? Anybody who was here, go back then. I'm busy. Isn't it weird? It's a natural response in our culture to say, that was pretty good, two years ago. That's bonus points for Tim right there. I'm just saying. That's like... They'll forget what you preach, pastor, so what's the matter with the sermon? He remembered. Way to go. That's good. Um, That's my alternate personality voice. But So here we were in this moment of teaching everybody to stop saying, I'm busy. Just try it for a week. If you want to check your busyness, just it's this default statement. Say, hey, how was the weekend? (laughs) Busy. Right? That counts too. Don't, don't do that. Uh, you know, it, we live all the way up, you know. And then how's work? Busy. How was last night? Busy. I don't know why we say that. What does it even mean, you know? It's like busy during the weekend. You didn't even get dressed. You sat in your underwear and watched TV for 48 hours. What are you talking about, right? It's just like you're not busy. But they'll go, oh, I was busy. Game after game. Got up, had to go to the toilet. The wife totally forgot the Depends at Walmart, so I had to get up and go to the bathroom. Anyway, so I'm just like, they're, they're for others, it says on the commercials. The others, I think, are really good sports fans. Or they just like binge-watching Netflix. So you're just like, what are they doing? Busy. Everybody's definition of busy is different, but the reality is we are way too busy. We need more margin. You know, we need to get out and do something. <laughs> with our life. And so don't allow yourself to default and say busy. Answer somebody honestly. The, the classic one for me is when, well, pastor, we need to get together sometime, but I'm sure you're, you're so busy. They'll say that. They'll like default, like they'll eliminate me from the calendar or something. I don't know what it is, but that's, I'm sure you're really busy. And I'm like, well, actually, no, I'm not. My life is pretty uncomplicated. And then they'll go, well, you lazy little, you know, I don't know. <laughs> You have to be busy. There's a status to be busy if you're like, you're equal if you're busy. I don't know. It's really weird, but they'll assume that, you know. I would love to connect, but I know that you're surely really busy. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm actually wide open. And they just kind of stare at you as if they don't know what to think. And I kind of enjoy that. But I'm intentionally living an uncomplicated life, so I'm available. If I don't have margin, then I can never live life open to spontaneity. I can never have that moment for the Holy Spirit to interrupt my schedule because I didn't leave myself any time. I've actually been 10 minutes late to everything all day. But what if I plan an extra 10 minutes so that God can interrupt my day? What might that day look like? Maybe I'll have some cool stories that come out of it that I can then withdraw and share with Jesus. Isn't that the goal? 
Social media, which is kind of funny because I just told you to follow me on a Bible app, but anyway, uh, social media is another way. It's a great tool to interact and stuff, but it's an enemy of intimacy. Jaden and I were talking this week uh, about how we assume everybody reads our posts, don't we? It's like, so we're really confused at how to communicate with people now because we just assume people read our stuff, and then when we interact with someone, you know, they're assuming you posted stuff if you want it read, and you're all assuming you're up to pace with each other and you don't need to really have a conversation. What would it have looked like if the disciples returned to Jesus and social media existed? They walk in the room and Jesus is like, waiting for them to share, right? And they're like, you see the pics, Jesus? You know, <laughs> they would have just, hey, what's up, Jesus? You know, they would have kind of just walked, assuming he had seen everything, and yet he's waiting for them to share, and they're like, do you see the miracle post? You know the one, the hashtag issue of blood? You see that one? You know? And he's like, huh? You know, hashtag just like Jesus. <laughs> we had fun, hashtag one of the twelve. Did you catch that, Jesus? Instagram. Peter walks in, and they're like, Pete, sweet shot of the dust coming off your shoes. Out of that 110, it was sun angle through that. Man, hashtag shake the dust off. That was awesome. Hashtag keep the pace, you know. And I don't know. It's just, it wouldn't have been the same. Jesus would have been like, Okay, let's get away because I'm going to give you a whooping. I'm just kidding. I don't know if he would He wouldn't say that. He loves us too much. But you just look at that and go, there is an element that we're risking. We're forgetting to interact face-to-face with one another and actually have conversations and share and, and see facial expression. And this whole human interaction thing is becoming more necessary which is why then we push groups so heavy and, and serving together because we're shoulder to shoulder making an impact on the world around us and, and, and we need to come together to mutually encourage one another in our faith, whether public or, or in intimate like groups because, because it's just amazing when we actually get to see transformation in the lives of others, see progress in each other's lives. So I challenge you to withdraw with Jesus, whatever you need to do to withdraw more with Jesus for the next 21 days. And maybe the most practical application is going to be you're going to have a Bible reading plan, or maybe it's going to be that you just need to stop saying, I'm busy, and tell the truth in that. Find some margin in your life. Number two, Jesus welcomes the crowd. So it's like these are opposite moments, right? They withdrew together, but then he welcomes the crowd. And I think the tension that's between these two, we get confused and we end up having groups that polarize from one another versus appreciate the tension of living in both moments, both an intimacy with God and welcoming the crowds. We think you can't have both, but Jesus illustrates how you do need both Right here, we have the tendency to think intimacy and crowds cannot coexist. They can coexist. Jesus spoke to them. There's a place for inspirational, crazy, preaching frenzy type of a moment. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. It's kind of awesome, conferences or whatnot. But there's also, in a moment like this, so there was 5,000 men which means there were probably up to like 20,000 people there, women and children included. 
And you have this moment where Jesus, instead of just getting up and just like, thus saith me, you know, he's like, he, he, he actually speaks to them. I wish I was there to like see this because even with potentially 20,000 men, women, and children, Jesus just starts engaging them in the conversation about God. I think this is beautiful. He begins to think out loud with them. He begins to openly address doubts about life with them. This is not about just 12 or a crowd or the, the number of the crowd. This is about making the kingdom of God known to all who have yet to hear the good news, that God loves them so much that He sent His one and only Son for them, that they could have life and life abundantly now and life eternal later. This is great news that He's here to share, and He shares it so relationally. How we each have a plan for our lives, how our needs are very much so in the consideration and the eyes and the mind of God at all times, and He's planning to bless us. So I, I, I look and I say, man, in this area, we live in an area where 88% of our community does not practice their faith on a consistent basis. Like in, in all the surveys and all the demographic data, only, only 12% of people go to any, any kind of a religious service during the course of a week which leaves about 80,000 people that have yet to really experience and regularly engage with the good news of God's love for them through Jesus. That's just a five-mile radius picture from Target's address. I look at that and I go, this is our business. This is our why. Why do we exist? We exist for those who have yet to experience Jesus. We, we exist, yeah, for us to grow in relationship with Jesus, but as well we have to consider the crowd that Jesus welcomes into the kingdom. How do we get the news to this crowd? We've got to bring it to them. They just need to get into a place where they can hear Jesus speak to them and their life can be transformed. Where is that? Is that going to be at an event out in the community? Is, is it going to be rubbing shoulders with us at Hopjacks? Is it going to be at a Starbucks? Or is it going to be in a service or in a small group in a home or at a neighborhood event or while we're trick-or-treating? I don't know. But we have to begin the conversation with the 88% because that's why we're here. Who should you invite into the conversation of faith? Who should you be praying for while you're reading your Bible and praying, whose name keeps coming up? Who's that person who you just have a burden that they would know God's love, that they would know who Jesus is? What would it look like for them to find themselves in an environment where they hear Jesus speaking to them? What might that do to their life, family, work, eternity? God had called every one of us to carry, He's called every one of us to carry this passion for those who have yet to meet Him in our community. That's why He put us here. We're on mission, if you will. And you've heard me say this, but I'll say it again. Discipleship, which we're called to go and make disciples of all people, right? Discipleship begins with an introduction. 
which means when we're in a grocery store and somebody's wearing a name tag and helping us on the other side of a counter, or when we're uh, introduced to somebody in the community or at our workplace, when we learn their name, when that introduction is made, that's when discipleship begins. That's when Jesus is entrusting us to welcome them into the conversation of the faith. It's our responsibility from there. We should begin to pray for them. We should begin to start learning the names of those that are around us. Because it's easy, again, for us to and forget about our community because it's all about me because I'm living way too close to my margins. People matter to Jesus. He welcomed them. Interesting thought. Third thought, final point, but with three subpoints. So sorry we're not done. A remote place is a great place to learn. The disciples discovered this, right? A remote place is a great place to learn. What miracle awaits you in the remote places you find yourself? Sometimes we think, well, Jesus, you know, the disciples said, we're in a remote place here. We think good things can't happen in remote places. When we're in remote places in our life, we think something's wrong. Maybe something's about to be very right. Keep pressing on. You know, this is what the story was here. What do you currently have in your hands that is available for Jesus? It's in remote places. It's in seasons where there's not an abundance that we're able to see God truly move through the little, maybe, that remains. And we begin to discover His faithfulness even stronger. Again, in this instance, 5 plus 2 equals 5,000. Carry over the 12. Great math. I don't, man, we'd get kicked out of school, but it's beautiful. Uh, what might be possible if we surrender all to Jesus? Because the disciples had to do that. So, number one, sub point of the things they learned. This is the first thing they learned out in the remote place. We learn to surrender all. Because if you don't surrender all, you'll have no remnant to live off of, like in this instance. Jesus sent. It says, or they said to Jesus, Jesus, send them away. We brought food for us, but not them. Help them. And then they try to justify it. They need a good place to sleep. We're willing to sacrifice Jesus. You know, we need, you know, they need uh, a meal. They need a roof over their head and a bath. But like for us, we'll stay. They just didn't want to share their food. It's interesting to me. They're like, us 12 no more, Jesus. We like it small. He's like, I welcome the crowd. If you surrender all, watch. Because he wanted the crowd to see the miracle too, right? Not just the 12. It's cool that the 12 got to know him and his, his miracle working power, but he wanted the rest of the crowd to see what he can do. If we go all in, what could Jesus do through us? What does it look like for, for you to just go all in with Jesus? Number two, we learn to expect the supernatural. thing that we learn in the remote place, we learn to expect the supernatural. Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. It's like Jesus is continu continuing his sending that he just did in the previous section of Luke 9. He's like, I sent you out with nothing and, and God provided for you. Now you have, you have food. You have this material in your hand, you feed them, 
But they didn't quite put the two and two together, right? They're like, this is all of a sudden crazy Jesus. Like, what are you talking about? I only have, you know, fish and, and bread. And there's like tens of thousands of people potentially here. There's 5,000 men. What do we do? And he's preparing them still. He's like, no, think, think supernatural, guys. Come on, you know. And, and, and he's preparing them as well for what follows. And we'll talk about next week. He's going to share with them, I'm not always going to be with you. In fact, I'm going to empower you because I'm not going to be with you because you need me to go. And they're not going to understand it, but the reality is, is his death and resurrection is approaching. And he's trying to prepare them. Hey, you can feed them. If you bless this food and you thank my Father for it, watch it multiply in your hands. They missed an opportunity, didn't they? They could have had more stories but they gave the food to Jesus. I wonder if Jesus was trying to see if they remembered the power he had over natural substances, like the waves. I mean, he has power over every atom in this world, you know. He turned water into wine, for goodness sake. How easy would it be for him to multiply this food? But they didn't ask for that. So they're kind of confused. And, and, and five plus two begins to equal some beautiful math. Even when you have in the crowd, every crowd you have, every, think, of, think of company parties. When you have a buffet, when you have a lot of food there, there's always the don't mind if I do guy, right, in the room. And it's like there's a couple left and nobody wants to eat the last two, but the don't mind if I do guy will pick it up and eat it. And you're always going to have that in a crowd. And he made enough, even for the hmm, they usually do that, right? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> it's kind of that, ooh, yeah, don't mind if I do. And the, even that guy was satisfied, it says. Everybody was satisfied. And 12 basketfuls were still collected of extra. Don't mind if I do. We learn humble servanthood, number three. Final Lesson, they learned a lot more than this, but just what we could talk about today. I love how the disciples went from delivering people, doing miracles from town to town, and they were immediately thrust back in the reality of real practical servanthood. Feeding people, waiting on people, taking them food. They didn't throw a fit and say, oh, wait, 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 wait. We don't do food no more because now I am a healing evangelist. Oh, wait, I am the one. I have the hands of an anointed healer now. I cannot touch food. Find somebody else to do that lowly task in the kingdom. You know, they didn't do that. They just had the heart of a servant. Why? Because serving is serving. If you serve someone with deliverance, if you serve someone with love or healing, or whether you just serve them a meal, it's the same. Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. It's all about serving God, no matter what we're doing. Or Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So it doesn't matter if you're picking up remnants. These guys were thrown into janitorial duty after the miracle. 
hey, let's not leave this place a mess. Pick up the breadcrumbs. Right? They're picking up the remnant. They're, they're going out, and they were not too lofty for it. And I love that. And if you're not enjoying that part of the faith, the serving element of the faith, I challenge you to do it. I challenge you, if you've yet to, to be on, a, uh, on the volunteer team of some sort here at Open Life, turn your connection card over right now. Make sure your name's on the front of it first. But on the right-hand side, check the box that says volunteer at Open Life because you need to. Even once a month, you need to figure out, how do I just serve the Lord? There's something that comes back into your life when you do it. It should be a joy. There's always some group of people that needs to be prepared for, that needs to be ministered to. There's always baskets to distribute. There's always leftovers to be cleaned up. Figuratively speaking, of course, here, obviously, it would be more like driving a truck or plugging in some cables or rolling up a banner. But these are beautiful baskets to serve the Lord with setting up a church, leading a group, hosting a group, whatever it is, we need to serve. The blessing is not, and worship team, you can come up. The blessing is not in the type of service we do for the Lord. It's in service, period, because it's unto Jesus. And I think sometimes we think, oh man, if I just, if I could sing, I would be really used by God. Some of you shouldn't sing. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, the Bible does say make a joyful noise to the Lord, so you, you're, you're, you're off the hook. But I'm just saying, you can make a noise when worship is going. But it's not for all of us, right? Some of us, we think, man, if I could just do this, I would be used by God. Or if I could just do this, everybody can do something. I don't know. I just thought it was beautiful this last week when, when somebody indicated, I'll, I won't call you out, but when somebody indicated on their connection card, I'd love to be a part of a group, but I'm painfully shy. And you would never know this because they made a great greeter this morning at the front door. Not to point anybody out or anything. It's a beautiful story when we get outside of our comfort zone and allow God to utilize us. What's in our hands to give? Maybe it's some fish. Maybe it's some loaves. There's action steps on the back of your connection card on the left-hand side. And I challenge you, you shouldn't come just to hear. You should come to be equipped to take action this week. And, and so the action steps would be reading and praying, right? Take the 21-day challenge there. Or maybe for you, you, you need to expect the supernatural more. That's your challenge. It's like, man, I don't expect him to do a multiplication miracle. For some of you, it may be surrendering all to Jesus because even though you know you have five loaves and two fish, you're like, I'm still not giving it up, Jesus. It's mine and I'm not going to go hungry. Instead of trusting him to do a miracle in everybody's lives with your resources. And then for some, obviously, I just challenged, you need to volunteer. I don't know what it is for you, but we're going to sing a song here. And as we do, I want you to consider, what is it that Jesus is trying to teach you in the wilderness 
in that remote place? What is it today that he's trying to show you? And are you going to take action on that? In a moment, we'll have some people down here to pray with you if you need it. But first off, I just want you to consider those action steps. I'll pray for you. We'll worship. Let's really just reflect on the scriptures. What is Jesus trying to teach us today? Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity we have to open up the word and really consider all the elements of this moment in the when you withdrew with the disciples and what are you wanting us to do? How, maybe it's more intimacy with us. We just need to spend more consistent time with you. Not because we have to check that off a list to go to heaven. It's just to know you better, to have a better relationship with you. Therefore, being able to be a more pure reflection of you to others because you value the crowd. You love the people. You put us here for a reason amongst 80,000 people who need you. And I pray that you would give us wisdom as we plan and pray and listen to you to how we're supposed to multiply our resources to care for the multitudes that are around us that need you. They need to hear you speak to them so that they understand your love. And speak through our actions this week and help us know what actions to take to grow in relationship with you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name.